You can turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Timothy 1, 12-17, or it's going to be on the screens in front of you. Either way, let's see. 1 Timothy 1, 12-17. I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who has given me strength, that he considered me faithful, appointing me to his service. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted... Wait. I jumped forward. No, yeah, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and the love that are in Christ Jesus Here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe on him and receive eternal life. Now to the King Eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. The word of the Lord. So this passage, um, this book, First Timothy, where it's part of, you know, we're taking a little break uh, from continuing on doing all the verses of Galatians, and we're gonna we're focusing in on just the fruits of the Spirit. And so I chose this passage, and it's in uh, the book of 1 Timothy, one of two letters that Paul wrote to a mentee of his, um, which is unusual because most of the books that Paul wrote in the Bible, they were for uh, churches, specific churches, and not so much for specific people. But this is one that Paul wrote to Timothy, probably in response to a letter Timothy had sent to Paul. Uh, we don't obviously have that letter in the Bible. I'm sure it'd be really awesome if we did, but we don't. And so a lot of what we get, a lot of what we can understand, probably what was going on with Timothy, we get through what Paul writes to him. But you can just imagine, right? Timothy, this young pastor, he's writing to his mentor, Paul. He's saying, Paul, you know, I don't understand why you put me in this church. Why you wanted me to go here? I know, you know that I wanted to go with you to Macedonia. Paul mentions that in verse 3. I wanted to go with you to Macedonia to be a missionary with you guys, being on the front end of all this stuff going on with Christianity. I wanted to go out and be a missionary. I just, Paul, I got to tell you, I don't feel like a pastor. I don't understand why you would have put me in this church. I know it's a I know Paul, it should be seen as a great honor to be pastoring a church that you planted in a big city like Ephesus. There's plenty of stuff to do. I'm thankful you didn't put me in the, you know, back country of Galatia, but you put me in Ephesus and I I don't understand it because there's all these frustrating people. All these frustrating people in Ephesus that are teaching things that they shouldn't be teaching, who are using their wealth and privilege to, to put other people down. And these Christians, 
It's like they don't understand anything of what Jesus said. And at worst, they don't care what Jesus taught us. These people are so frustrating and challenging. They're taking advantage of one another. And I'm just so tired of it, Paul. My, my, no wonder you, Paul, are bald because you must have been pulling your hair out with all these people, right? And I don't understand. I'm just so annoyed at these people, how they don't get it. They say one thing. They say they're Christians and they go out and act in all different ways. That's kind of the temperature that we get from this passage of what Timothy was probably experiencing. And it's fascinating to me that 2,000 years later, what's one of the big complaints about Christian people? They say one thing and they believe something different. And whether you're a Christian or not, we've all found that incredibly frustrating, incredibly annoying, that people will say one thing and live a completely different way. And so Timothy, in this passage, who, who Paul's writing to, Paul's writing to him because he knew that Ephesus, this church in Ephesus, was such a hotbed. There were so many issues in there at that time. And Paul puts Timothy there because he felt Timothy could, do, could, could, could lead a church in this time, could, could model what it means to be a good Christian. You can imagine it would be pretty easy for Timothy and for Paul to lose their patience with people who are taking advantage of other Christians, who are spreading lies and rumors about the church leadership. It'd be a very difficult place to be. And it's, I guess it's not surprising, right? This was a church that started only like, you know, maybe 50 years after Jesus was alive. So they were still figuring out a lot of things. But they're still falling in the trap that so many Christians that we all, we all might fall into, we all worry about, is that we, we say one thing, we say we follow Jesus, and the next day we turn around and we're living in a different way. It reminds me a little bit, um, you know, we went, a few of us went to a conference in the Midwest, and we stopped off in Chicago. It reminds me about one of the things that's baffling about the city of Chicago, um, is that it's considered one of the friendliest town, like friendliest big cities in the United States for like tourists and things like that. I've had so many times where I literally will be walking or I'll be on the train and I will just have a half an hour conversation with a random stranger. It's very pleasant. It's, it's great. And then people in Chicago get behind the wheel of a car. And they will try to kill you. Like, it's, it's like all the friendliness is gone once there's just like a little bit of glass between you and them. And they think, how dare this person cross when the little sign says, this is a road for people. And they try to like, you know, they're honking and they're yelling at people. I, I sometimes fall into that habit still. Um, it's just, it's crazy how it can be so different, right? And it's a lot like, I think, like Sometimes the complaints we have about Christian people is that people can say one thing and they can do something completely different. So opposite of what we think the Bible teaches us. Now, I know Park Lane is a perfect church, right? No one argues with each other. We don't get annoyed with anybody in here, right? We're, we're a perfect church. We're the only perfect church probably. But... 
That's probably not true, but I'm sure all of us have felt times with, you know, there, we've been annoyed and we've gotten impatient with someone here in this congregation, or at least someone close to us in our lives. We can think of times where we, where we go to church and we're like, oh, I don't want to have to deal with this person again this week. Uh, and we just, we get impatient and we can think, oh, that person just, they don't get it. They're not getting it, what it means to be a Christian. How could they act that way if they knew who Jesus was? Right? We start to get annoyed at the people that are around us because they're not doing what they should be doing or what we think they should be doing. They're not following Christ the way that we think they should be. And we think that they should know this stuff so much better. They've been in church their entire lives. And that's a reality that a lot of us face. But equally, you know, in this passage, Paul, he calls himself the worst. And he's using it for a different way. But actually, this can come back on us too. And that sometimes we can get so impatient with ourselves. How how could I fall back into that sin again? After all these years, I'm still doing this same thing that I know I shouldn't be doing. I was, I was just, I should have been more understanding with the people around me. Ugh, I'm so annoyed. I'm so frustrated with myself. What, why? I became a Christian like five years ago. Why doesn't this stuff seem to be sticking? Why doesn't it feel like my life is any different? Maybe I am the worst. Maybe I am the worst Christian. I don't feel like I should be doing these things. Why doesn't Jesus just make me a better Christian? Do it quick, Jesus. I'm willing. Not only can we be impatient with those around us when they don't seem to be doing what we think they should, we can also be impatient with ourselves. But Paul, a good mentor, has some words, not only for Timothy 2,000 years ago, but by the grace of God, he has words for us today. And Paul responds to his mentee, Timothy, as a good mentor does. I actually really like this book, um, because a lot of times when we're reading the New Testament, I feel like Paul kind of sometimes comes off as a real grouch. Right? And, and like in these types of books, and the ones where he's writing to one particular person, he's very loving and pastoral, so it's great. But you can just imagine, right, Paul sitting down to write to his, you know, mentee Tim and being like, hey Tim, I got your letter. Yes, I know it's disappointing you wanted to come with us to Macedonia, but you're the guy. You're the guy for this job. I know it. I can see in you all sorts of good and, and good, good characteristics, ways that you can model those, ways that you can model Christ to the people in Ephesus. Yes, they are a handful, but I love them. Be careful what you say. Um, it's, it's, it's tough to be doing this stuff, Tim. I understand. People are frustrating. But remember that story I told you a couple years ago? The one about how God came in, Jesus came into my life? The one where I was, you know, this zealous Jewish guy, probably like just about your age, Tim. And I was so determined to wipe out Christianity. I was so determined that I was going to stop this menace on society. I had people killed, Tim. I had people killed. I thought I knew what I was doing. I was the worst type of sinner. 
I was the worst. But guess what? Jesus came to me. He, he, he literally came to me, knocked me off my horse and said, knock it off. What are you doing to my people? And Jesus was patient with me. Even those times, you know, those, those years before I you know, started doing the missionary work, you know, that I told you about that aren't in the Bible. Um, the stuff that I told you about of how the slow process of me figuring out what this Christian thing meant. You've got to be patient with, with, with the people in your church. You've got to be patient with yourself, Timothy. Because Jesus is patient with us. He was patient with me, the guy who was going to wipe out Christianity and not doing a bad job, if I may add. Um, he was patient with me when I didn't deserve it. He, and so because of that, he used me for his glory. So Tim, be patient for sinners. Jesus came for these people. He came for people like the people in your church and people like you and me so that we can model what it means to be a patient follower of Christ to the people around us. Be patient with those around us because Jesus is patient with you. Does anybody remember the WWJD bracelets back in the day. Anybody? Did anybody wear one? Anybody? Yeah, okay. Okay, yeah, I did too. Okay. Um, a few of us, no. We, a few of us were cool. Um, I remember I was in seminary and our professor was talking about some stuff and he mentioned the WWJD bracelets. He's like, those dumb, dorky bracelets that were like a, a terrible fashion choice. He's like, I would never wear one again. But when you stop and think... What would Jesus do, although a little simplistic, is not a bad way to live your life. And of course, because he called his bluff, we had to buy a WWJD bracelets for the entire class. I looked into it. It was too expensive to get them all for you. But um, we bought them for the entire class, and uh, we all put them on beforehand. Because he's one of, those, one of these professors who would uh, come in like, one minute before class was supposed to start. Like, we were all there, and we were waiting for him, which was weird. But we all put him on, and when he came in, he just kind of, like, he, he was about to start. He said, oh, by the way, Professor, you need, to add, you need to wear this bracelet. We all have got ours on, and we all show him that we all had it on. And he did put it on. That was fun. We had a good time with that. And a few people wore it for, like, the rest of the year, so they were really inspired. But that, I think, is, it's really interesting when we talk about this with, with the fruit of spirit of patience. Um, there's a lot of different ways that we can look and think about patience. But this passage really, I think, exemplifies not only like what we're supposed to do. We all know, for the most part, we should be more patient with people. We should do these things. But often, we, and we know that God tells us to be patient. But this passage reminds us the reason we're patient with one another with those around us, those that God has placed in our lives, is because God is patient with you and me first. You know, I don't know if I, I, I would go around suggesting that we all act, like we all think like Paul and just think we're the worst all the time. I mean, total depravity is a thing, but that's not necessarily what it means. It means that everything's tainted by sin, not everything is as bad as it could be. That's my reform teaching for this morning. Um, but Paul says he's the worst, but it's good for us to remind ourselves that when we're frustrated with one another, especially in a place like the church, 
that Paul reminds us that Christ is patient with us first. He's patient with us. He's our model of patience, how we're supposed to act and live. And now this doesn't mean, this doesn't mean that we never call people out when they're doing something they shouldn't be doing. Certainly not. Because if you read the first part of Paul, he, Paul literally calls out two church leaders and saying they're like, they're like, need to be handed over to Satan. Like they are spouting this bad teaching. So Paul is not afraid to call people out. But what I think Paul is reminding us is that if we do need to call people out, we have to be patient with them. Because it's not always easy to change our ways, to change the bad things. It's, it takes time. We need to be patient with people as they move along in their faith. That means whether or not we're with mostly people who have been a part of church their entire lives, whether we're a part of brand new Christians or we're you know, trying to you know, talk to our friends and family who either don't believe or no longer believe, we need to remain patient with them. Because Christ has been patient with us. Would you please pray with me? Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we come to you this morning frustrated with people around us, frustrated with ourselves, Lord. Some of us at the end of our rope But Lord, we look to you as our example. We think, what would Jesus do? And we're reminded, Lord, that you are patient with us. We mess it up most days, every day, multiple times a day. We don't live out the way that we should. We sometimes do give Christians a bad name by believing one thing and doing the opposite but we know you're patient with us. You choose to work through us for your glory, just like you worked through Paul for your glory. You still work with us for your glory today. Help us, Lord, by the power of your Spirit to be patient with those around us, whether they're new believers, non-believers, or people who've been believing for a long time. Help us to be patient with one another and to be patient with ourselves being reminded that you who have done a good work in us will bring it out to completion. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.